Good morning. Sunday morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful Northern Virginia. Now, unfortunately for all of you, it's going to be just me today. Alan is currently out attending a wedding. Not his own, but somebody else's. So it's going to be just me today bringing you guys our facts and analysis. For those of you who are new to the program, this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live show that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world, trying to break through all of the media propaganda, the weird lies, and all of the odd funding, and just everything else, so you guys can get a sense of what's really happening in the world. Now, Obviously, there's a lot of different stories that are going on this week. We have more stuff on Ukraine. We have more, of course, weirdness about Biden's family's business dealings in Ukraine. And not to mention all of the other things going on with a Supreme Court nominee. And all of this is really of interest because it just runs along the central theme of how I don't even know like the best way to explain it, aside from the fact that Democrats are going to consistently just lie their asses off as much as humanly possible and pretend and retcon, for those of you um, who understand the word, retcon history. I have to uh, absolutely acknowledge we all watched the Kavanaugh hearings. We all watched when Christine Blasey uh, Ford lied. She was paid a bunch of money by Democrats, uh, and she showed up in front of basically America and lied and claimed that Brett Kavanaugh was part of some sort of rape gang, even though she couldn't recall where it was, when it happened, or any of the details, aside from that one guy you picked for Supreme Court. Yep, totally him. It was absolutely him. Nobody else saw me at the party. Uh, I don't even remember where the party was, when it happened. I don't remember any of any cooperating evidence whatsoever. And even my friends are saying that I'd never brought this up before, but it totally happened. Hashtag believe all women. Now, as we now know from statements coming from the per, uh, the the current nominee, I guess we'll say the current nominee for Supreme Court, uh, Kentanji Brown Jackson. Uh, we we don't know whether or not you can say believe all women. Um, and of course, this is now the famous quote coming from her. But uh, let's let's just play it whether and and figure out whether or not we can even believe all women. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word? woman can i provide a definition mm-hmm. no yeah i can't you can't N- not in okay. this context so i'm not a biologist of- uh- i'm not a biologist i can't define a woman it's interesting because this is actually so much of this actually buttresses against like how how the left does things, how the left runs uh, society or wishes for society to be run. And that is consistently that the majority of people will always be deferred 
uh, to a minority of, quote, experts. That is how it's supposed to work. The concept here is that whenever there's a majority opinion, the American people want something or, or, you know, don't want something, don't want something, have an opinion. It will always be demurred uh, to a small minority panel of, quote, experts. And we've seen this, right? Um, You know, Americans in reality, regardless of rhetoric, don't really buy a lot of the climate change nonsense. Because if you remember, what was it, 10 years ago, we were all supposed to be flooded. We shouldn't even be worrying about people pooping on the streets in San Francisco because it's supposed to be completely underwater. Um, You know, Nancy Pelosi would be getting voted for by dolphins because of all of the flooding that was supposed to happen because of climate change. So regardless of the fact that, you know, Rhetoric wise, plenty of people will say that, you know, they believe in it or this, that or the other thing. The reality is, is that uh, it it really doesn't hit. I mean, even, you know, people like Barack Obama, who claims climate change is just, oh, it's absolutely true. Everything about it's true. Uh, I'm going to go buy some coastal property that's supposed to you know be completely underwater in five years unless we pass, you know, the Green New Deal. Um, that is the whole idea of pushing on experts. So the reason I say that is, you know. All of these people are going to be like, look, none of the stuff that you said was going to happen has happened. And they go, well, experts agree. Experts, you're an idiot. You're ignorant. You're just some filthy, you know, random American who probably works some sort of gross, you know, uh, um, middle class American job. Uh, You need to listen to the experts. And just so you're aware, anybody who... You know, anybody who has a degree in this that disagrees with us uh, will just say that they're not an expert. You see how this works? Now, I picked climate change because I didn't want to take the low-hanging fruit. We all saw this during COVID. You couldn't question any of the government's narrative when it came to COVID. You had to give up all of your rights because experts said so. This has been the liberals push for a very long time. And it's actually a very consistent aspect of progressivism throughout, you know, modern history. Uh, You'll constantly hear any time that there's some sort of, you know, group or regime uh, that the, you know, elite don't like. One of the things that they say is that they always go for the educated classes. And the reality is, is that this is the primary mode of uh, infiltration of society is you get a small group of people that you indoctrinate, uh, you know, into, you know, say critical theory. Or, you know, into just flat out Marxism, kind of repeating myself there. And what they'll do is they'll start to craft all of the high level, you know, science and philosophy around that ideology. And then when people kind of point out and go, hey, wait a minute, you're trying to influence things outside of your philosophy, you know, using critical theory and Marxism and all this other, you know, nonsense. And they'll go, oh, I'm sorry. Do you have a doctorate in this, that or the other? You're just a filthy plebe. How dare you question me? The aristocracy. You know, a lot of times when people look back at the founding of this country, we talked a lot about how, you know, titles of nobility were going to go away. And how, you know, America was going to be, you know, the free society that was built upon, you know, the concepts of that everyday Americans uh, really ruled this country. We ruled through our voices and the representation that was given to us through this republic, Um, you know, and even the concept of just how limited our, our, 
how limited the rules were on who could run for office, you know, in, and over time, and especially in modern time, we've now seen how that exact situation has been reversed. You know, a lot of progressivism here in the United States really wants to have a nobility. Just look at any time, I mean, especially when there's a conservative that's running for any office. I mean, not even, you know, not even talking about like the presidency and what we saw in the reactions to Trump and things like that. They're always unqualified. Well, there's only basic qualifications. You have to be 35 years old. You have to be a U.S. citizen. You have to have lived in the United States for 14 years. These are very basic qualifications. It was so anybody could represent as long as the plurality of the people they were supposed to represent said, yeah, I want that person to be my voice. But we're basically being psyoped as Americans into thinking that there's some far higher qualification metric. Well, he didn't go to Harvard. You don't have to be a college graduate to be the president of the United States in this country. But I, I'll tell you, we could have seriously one of the best candidates ever to run for president. And if they weren't, you know, a liberal, the media would freak out. They would freak out and have a panic attack over the idea that somebody who didn't go to an Ivy League school even dared think that they could be the president of the United States, let alone a Congress member, for God's sakes. Yet think about that. The foundation of this country is that it's representative of its people. Harvard graduates are not representative of the vast American populace. Rich, the rich that we always see, Nancy Pelosi with her millions and millions of dollars through insider trading, is not representative of the American populace. And I will agree. Donald Trump was not representative of the American populace, though he did seem to speak of them in ways that people recognized. But that's a rarity. And they certainly hated that enough. But can you imagine if we started having record? Well, let me let me rephrase because that's a little unfair. We absolutely have regular people who are trying to represent us in different levels of the government and look at how they get attacked there. I'm certain and feel free in the chat. If you're over at Spreaker.com in the chat, you know, give me the name of a representative who you think makes sense to you. Like when you hear this representative speak or you see some of their, you know, comments or whatever, and you say that person gets me, that person is, is somebody who I can really get behind. I think that person you know, actually represents me. And I promise you that I will find a million different examples where, you know, the progressives in the media and probably even some conservatives or maybe even a lot of conservatives, depending on who you name, uh, will turn around and say, well, this person, oh, I can't believe that this is somebody, you know, who represents us. All right. So Colleen says Tom Cotton. You know, Tom Cotton is one of those examples. And that's actually a really good one. A lot of people, you know, that when they hear Tom Cotton speak and they say, you know, I, I really feel um, like like he he speaks for the things that I, I care about and the things that I'm concerned about. A hundred percent. Has he been? Uh, let, let me. Um, 
let me I'm trying to spit all this right because I, I can't I can't study or practice for who people are going to randomly say. But like, uh, didn't Tom Cotton get attacked because he had a Ranger tab? Um, and he talked about like Ranger school. He talked about doing like Ranger stuff. And uh, he got attacked because he wasn't actually part of the battalion. He he didn't have a scroll. He had a tab. I mean, think about that for a second. A bunch of nobodies in the media were questioning the service of, or questioning what it meant to be a ranger, somebody who went to ranger school. Of people who'd never even served in the military, let alone went through um, ranger school, were t- trying to tell the rest of Americans that Tom Cotton lies about his military service. So yeah, 100%. You know, Matt Gates is an example. There's a lot of people who really like Matt Gates. They faked an entire uh, narrative about uh, him being basically a pedophile. And even though the guy who contacted Matt Gates' father and said, give me a bunch of money or I'm going to, you know, or give me a bunch of money and I will get a presidential pardon for your son. Um that guy went to jail. He went to federal prison for that. And the media never corrected the record on it. As far as I know, the DOJ is still technically investigating, which since you haven't heard a lot about that, that just means that coming up when Matt Gates starts doing really well, or if he starts surging ahead in the Republican Party, they'll just rebirth that. But let's just roll back on this a little bit. And thanks, Colleen, for an example of somebody. Um but that's exactly what this is. You have Kentaji Brown Jackson, who literally can't say who a woman is because she's not a biologist. And I've seen a lot of hilarious memes um, going into this. And, you know, one is like, what color is the sky? I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist. Uh, <laughs> you know, just d- different things like that. But the ridiculous sentiment, the gotcha moment. Yes, it is there. Now, what's amazing is, you know, Marsha Blackburn asked the question, <coughs> and now she's being roundly assaulted for asking this question. Now, why? It is actually a germane question to cases that the Supreme Court will have to face. We have an incredible amount of situations where things like that, um, men being in women's sports, transgender um surgeries for children, schools who want to transition children without ever even speaking to their parents. These are all very big, you know, social situations that the Supreme Court may be asked to judge on. So finding out a person's definition of very basic things like that is germane to what is going to be happening and what what kind of, you know, culture and law and legal framework we will be building, you know, for the future of this country. So it is actually a very good question. But you're not allowed to ask Democrats these kinds of questions. We all went through the Kavanaugh hearings and it's not a shock to me I'm sure it's not a shock to many of you that the left is now saying that black women in particular are traumatized. They are traumatized watching these hearings for the audacity of asking questions to a Supreme Court nominee. 
when just a few years ago, as you all know, they lied about a rape. They literally lied and said that a man was part of a rape gang and delayed the hearing. It's insane to me. It is simply insane to me that it, 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 we're, we're at the point now where I, I think a lot of this, and I'm not trying to um, get too cynical about it, but how do you not feel like you're taking crazy pills? And maybe that's the point. We all saw this happen. So did the left. They joined in it. There's legitimately no single way that we can sit here and listen to that kind of rhetoric that this is so much worse, the worst it's ever been. Oh my gosh, it's so traumatizing. After we watched what happened with with Kavanaugh, and to a lesser extent, if we're going to be honest, what happened to Amy Coney Barrett? Now, to be fair, I'm mad about how much we fought for them, for them to turn around and screw us over in several different Supreme Court decisions that should have been painfully obvious. But, you know, <laughs> you got you to gotta play with the uh, hand you're dealt, I guess. But the point is, you know, Amy Coney Barrett was attacked for being Catholic. She, she, was, she was basically presented like some sort of psychopath cultist, like she was part of some austere religion that doesn't have a billion people, you know, that, that prescribed to it um, because she was a Catholic woman. Yet, oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> Don't you understand that for Kentaji Brown Jackson, it should have just been a rubber stamp of approval or else you're part of the racist patriarchy. That was the whole point she was picked. We all know it. It wasn't that Biden gives a damn about it being reflective of America. It's never about that. The entire reason why he said we're going to nominate a black woman for the Supreme Court is we're going to nominate uh we're going to nominate any, literally anybody that we can turn around and call our opposition sexist and racist. That's it. 100%. That's it. That's the whole reason why she was picked. Has nothing to do with her qualifications. Now I understand. Just just to to to, to clarify a little bit, the nominee could be a flaming pile of dog poo, and the left would say that it was the most qualified candidate to have ever been presented to the Supreme Court in the history of ever. It could literally be a burning pile of dog poo. And they would tell us it was the most qualified candidate to have ever been presented to the Supreme Court. Additionally, Kentanji Brown Jackson could eat the still beating heart of a newborn baby to as some sort of, you know, health remedy. And bringing that up would be considered racist and sexist and just beyond the pale. And that's the situation that we sit in. That's just how it is. And I understand. But, you know, beside that, and um, I, e even though Alan wasn't here this week, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, just different things. And he was very annoyed um, by the fact of everybody grabbing onto her, uh, saying that she's not a biologist, so she can't define women, when he thought 
in his mind, um, he was like, you know, the, the much better thing that everyone should be talking about is the fact that she gave three months, uh, a three month sentence to a child pornographer, you know, and I, I read some of the sentencing guidelines or not that, well, the sentencing guidelines and then the sentencing that, that occurred with this particular individual. Um, it was very incredible, uh, because the, you know, she gave three months to somebody who was uploading a video of, you know, child pornography to places like YouTube. That really happened. And of course, you know, I understand for, for Alan, he was like, why isn't the GOP talking about that? Now, to be fair, they were, you know, this was a huge amount of the questioning that was actually going on within the hearings. Um, It's just that, let's be honest, when you can laugh at something, uh, it, it spreads a lot easier. So in the social media sphere, obviously the, uh, I can't define a woman. I'm not a biologist that went a lot further because people could laugh about it. Uh, people don't typically want to talk about the fact that there are obviously child sex abusers, you know, in different parts of our society, but it absolutely was, you know, a big question. She gave three months to a person who had, you know, an incredible amount of child pornography was posting it on the internet, was sharing it, dis- distributing child pornography. She only gave three months. Now, what's interesting about that to the uh, people who really like to get into some of those conspiracy theories um, that wander around, uh, Kentanji Brown Jackson was also the judge who sentenced the guy who went into, uh, what was it, Comet uh, or Cosmic Pizzeria? Uh, with a rifle demanding to see the basement where they kept the children. That was the whole Pizzagate, um, Pizzagate conspiracy. She was the sentencing judge. Now, what that means, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, but it is fascinating that, you know, I, I'm not saying that there's a conspiracy. I'm merely saying that some of these data points are very interesting because you have somebody who was the sentencing judge for a person during the whole Pizzagate conspiracy. And then the next thing you know, they are, um, in fact, uh, through the basically affirmative action that was taken by Joe Biden when he said it has to be a black woman really narrowed down the field. He may as well have said that, well, I just I want to give a Supreme Court position to the person who, you know, uh, the person who charged the guy who went into, uh, you know, this pizzeria. Now, I don't think that there was necessarily a child sex dungeon in the basement of this particular pizzeria. Uh, I will say, though, that if you're a person who followed Pizzagate or followed any of those things, um, I'm sure you feel a little vindicated, regardless if it's true or not. It's definitely one of those easy wins for the conspiracy people to sit there and say, oh, yeah, well, Joe Biden is paying off uh, the lady who got, you know, who who charged the people that were trying to expose their weird, creepy pedo ring. 
And it certainly doesn't help. Let me just put it that way. If if you're a liberal and you're super annoyed by all of the uh, random, you know, conspiracy theories that you see that, you know, the left and the, you know, Washington elite are all part of some sort of pedophile sex ring. Well, maybe maybe your president shouldn't be nominating people who give three months to child pornographers. It, it certainly doesn't help your case when you're saying, I swear to you, the Democrats aren't a bunch of pedophiles. Uh, but let's definitely give a Supreme Court nomination to a person who's super soft on pedophiles. I'm ju- I'm just gonna put that out there. I'm not saying the conspiracies are true. I'm just saying you're not doing yourselves any favors uh, when these are the types of people that you nominate to the top court in the United States of America. Now I understand because I made this joke, and it, you know a lot of the Never Trumpers got all butthurt about it. But I made the joke about them uh, nominating her to the Supreme Court because of all the stuff that's coming out on uh, Hunter Biden's laptop to include the fact that he uh, purportedly had child porn. Um, now, obviously, a bunch of people were like, well, actually, they're not a criminal court. So they didn't get the joke or they didn't want to. Um, but speaking of, because we're going to get more and more of this, this is going to become... We're just get used to it. I know a lot of you are used to it, but uh, I'm I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a rush at the zone right now uh, for you all. It's it's gonna be a little bit long, but um, I want you all to understand how uh, upset I am over having to constantly reiterate this because we're gonna talk a little bit about Ukraine and Russia, and. I know that it's a very sensitive subject for a lot of people. They get very upset if if you take away their hopium, um, you know, on things that are going on with this. But but I, I want I want to make sure that people understand why I have the skepticism I have. And so for those of you who have gotten mad at me when I have brought up the Russia-Ukraine situation, when I've tried to objectively look at the information that we are being given... Um, so I'm going to punish you in the audience. <laughs> I'm going to punish you a little bit. Um, here uh, is a supercut uh, that was made by TK News. Um, this was the Hunter Biden laptop story when it first broke. Here was the media coverage of the Hunter Biden laptop story when it broke. It's a lie. Altered or fake. Unverified emails. The story did not quite land due to the lack of verification. Let's be verified. Why can't be verified? The laptop. Why do you say that? Well, because it can't be verified. I don't even want to report this. This is one of the most powerful families in Washington. I'm a journalist. Okay, I would love if you guys would start doing that verification. No, we're not going to do your work for you. It's a journalist's job. Not anymore. For all we know, these emails are made up. Not really stories, just pure distractions. No serious journalist should fall for it. It's a journalist's job to, to, to find out if this is verified. The bottom line is we cannot confirm the story. Experts say the emails cannot be authenticated. The mainstream media is not reporting on this story because we can't authenticate this material. Um, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop material is genuine. 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 
This is a classic example of the right-wing media machine. It just lacks credibility. The fact that it appeared in the New York Post. The only place low enough to put this orphan bastard story in print. Obvious disinformation. It is so obviously a Russian operation. So obviously disinformation. So obviously a Russian plot. Tell me why it's so obviously a Russian plot to you. This is uh, just classic textbook Soviet-Russian tradecraft at work. Right, exactly. And this is classic, very classic uh, Russian disinformation tactic. Your classic disinformation campaign. We shouldn't look at it as anything other than a Russian disinformation operation. 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 Known Kremlin disinformation. Russians would be my number one guess. Obviously, Russia. Russian disinformation operation. Russian disinformation. Pushing Russian disinformation. It does bear the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo. Hunter Biden's laptop looks like it's tied to Vladimir Putin in Moscow. Is that laptop yours? I don't know. I, I truly... The, you don't know. The serious answer is that I truly do not know the answer to that. Did you leave a, a laptop with a repairman not in that Wilmington? I not, not that, that you I remember. remember. No. No. I truly don't know. Are you missing a laptop? Not that I know of. What? This whole operation looks right out of the Kremlin playbook. The playbook of Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation put into the haystack. Russian disinfo. Sounds like bullshit. I mean, who takes a laptop with their most personal information, drops it off, and never comes back for it? <laughs> read the book and you'll realize that I wasn't keeping uh, tabs on possessions very well for about a four-year period of time. The Russian disinformation campaign. Disinformation from the Russians. Putin is trying very hard to spread disinformation about Joe Biden. The Biden campaign says this is Russian disinformation. There's overwhelming evidence that the Russians are engaged. Russians are engaged. It's a Russian plan. Russian disinformation. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend Rudy Gianni. So could have been yours. Of course, certainly. Oh, that's hot. That's hot. History will expose you all as fools and useful idiots for the Russians. <laughs> the idiocy. The sheer idiocy. <laughs> 50 former intelligence officials signed on to a letter yesterday saying that the New York Post story about Hunter Biden's emails has all of the classic earmarks of a Russian disinformation campaign. Russia Giuliani. Don't trust anything that he's telling you. This is Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation campaign. Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation campaign. Russian disinformation meant to harm our democracy. Disinformation by the Russians. The fruits of a foreign intelligence operation. Part of that bigger Russian disinformation effort. A Russian intelligence operation. Connected to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort. Linked to a foreign intelligence operation. Connected to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort. Tied to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort. Connected to a Russian disinformation campaign. Linked to a foreign intelligence operation. Likely coming from Russian, right, Russian intelligence. Two people familiar with the matter told NBC News. We now know that Russian disinformation or foreign disinformation or even this, you know, campaign disinformation period is as dangerous to our democracy as anything exposed in these emails. So just um, to make sure we have the record straight here, um, this is why I'm skeptical. I, I hope you <laughs> Colleen wishes that the background would have been better a little bit of dubstep um i i i want you guys to understand this is exactly why i am so skeptical this is why so many 
by the way. And, and I don't I don't mean to blame you, the audience, but I want you guys to understand the landscape that's happening here with information and, and what we're dealing with. There are plenty of conservative accounts, conservative commentators and, and what have you, writers and, and presenters um, that get infuriated over the fact that there are people on the Internet that are calling out flat out lies like the ghost of Kiev, um, you know, a, a bunch of these others. I, I think one of the most recent ones is uh, the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense shared this video claiming that uh, the Ukrainian defense forces took down like several helicopters and it was actually a scene from a video game that was just this week. Now, I know that that had happened previously as well, but it was a scene from a video game. It was a complete lie. It's total propaganda. And there are plenty of conservative uh, commentators uh, that are claiming and to include people like Mark Levin, you know, and, and others like that, that are on talk radio that are saying like, well, the, the Putin wing of the party, well, the, the, the Putin wing of the party. I'm sorry. I'm not the Putin wing of the party. I'm the wing of the party that like all of you have consistently said that the mainstream media will lie on behalf of the Democrat party liberal elites, progressives in media and education, and for large woke corporations. My stance has never changed. My position, my philosophy, my ideology has not changed one bit since Russia went into Ukraine. But yours has. And me calling that out does not make me the Putin wing. That's a terrible Mark Levin impression, for those of you who don't know. That doesn't make me the Putin wing. It makes me consistent. While you're suddenly bending over backward to support Bill Crystal and bending over backward to support people like Tom Nichols, the never-Trumpers of the GOP, whose entire lot in life for the last 20 years has been pushing forever wars. I have not changed. You have. And now you accuse me of being the Putin wing. You're saying I'm Russian disinformation. Interesting how that works. Because let me tell you, you're in the position that you need to explain to me how all of you conservatives out there who think I'm part of the Putin wing how, how, explain to me how you can, for a fact, guarantee to me that you're not being played by Democrats and liberals in the media. Tell me how you're not being played by them. How you're not going along with Joe Biden's garbage foreign policy, his, once again, another foreign policy failure, and you're not going along with spreading their dumbass message. How is it that you are ensuring that you're not being played by the Democrats and the media whom we all agree lie, except for this time? Because that's what these people are asking me to do. The conservatives right now that want to get all, you know, have their war boners and, oh, geez, gosh, we stand for Ukraine. We should have a no fly zone. We should do all. We should just give them billions and billions. And I swear to God, every other day we promise another pile of billions of freaking dollars 
to Zelensky. So explain to me how these people are doing the most basic check to just make sure that they're not being played by the Democrats. And the point is they're not. In reality, the Democrats found the perfect talking point to get some of these idiots riled up. And now some of them, I I don't want to always make this be me bashing on other conservative hosts because I think that that's just, it's not, look, don't get me wrong. It's not a whole don't punch right philosophy. That's, that is not it at all. I will absolutely punch right if people are wrong. You know, that's the whole point of this, right? Uh, I don't, I don't belong, you know, hard to a movement aside from what is my philosophy and, and things that, you know, that I believe this, this isn't group think here. Um, but what I am saying is, you know, I don't like the business practice of I'm the person who's going to crap on all of these other conservatives to tell you how much better I am. You can go ahead and judge this program against other programs. Hell, you can listen to this one and others. It's weird. There's 24 hours in the day and your ears are typically free. So that's not what I'm trying to do here. But to hear people like Sean Hannity hawk for more and more and more war in Ukraine, it's these people are feeling what really launched their careers mainstream, which a lot of it was September 11th, the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq. This is for them. It, it's like they're reliving the glory days. It, it's like the uh, high school quarterback, you know, who's, I had 17 touchdowns that year. Oh, and then, you know, for the next 20 years, things just kind of didn't work out. They're, you know, constantly having to be reminded of their awesome class ring as it taps against their desk at the used car dealership. No offense to people who sell used cars. Uh, and then all of a sudden, somehow, you know, they're able to relive the glory years of those high school days of, you know, being the quarterback that, you know, took it to state or whatever. Um, it's that it's, it's that for a lot of these people, they, they got their start, their, um, acceleration of a lot of their careers, um, came around that time when they were, when they were pushing war, uh, you know, and it was, you know, what do you want the terrorists to win? So it was very easy for them, um, to settle back into, uh, those exact talking points. The difference is on these talking points is you're literally working on behalf of Joe Biden. If the things that make me skeptical, as I had said before, um, you know, weeks ago in this program is the fact that all of this is going down and, and being used so um, fiercely by the White House and, and by the Biden regime to be the only thing that Joe Biden has. Otherwise, take Ukraine out of the picture. Take all of his blustering about, we're standing up for freedom, oh, all of that. Take all of that away. How good is Joe Biden doing? We're heading into the midterm elections in November. How good is the Democrat Party who has the House, who has the Senate, who has the White House? How good are they doing? In fact, take all the rhetoric away from Ukraine, but the situation still exists. Uh, is your life cheaper? Is your pay better? Are things going better for you? Absolutely not. It's a massive failure. To be honest, this war in Ukraine is the best thing, public relations-wise, or if it wasn't Joe Biden, it would have been the best thing, public relations-wise, to have happened, especially heading into uh, 
especially heading into his uh, State of the Union address. Because what the hell was he going to talk about? He'd failed roundly on everything, but then he spent all the time talking about Ukraine. So perfect. Now, I'm not suggesting that somehow Joe Biden got Vladimir Putin to invade, you know, so he could have something else to talk about in the State of the Union. But the point is, this is their only thing. But the problem is, is that the person who the Democrats put up and put into this office is going to slur us into World War III. This moron is literally going to bumble, babble, and slur us into World War III. So let, let's start with, there were several reactions that had to have. There's several times that the White House staff had to turn around and correct what the president was saying. Uh, because of some of the dumb things he said. He's saying the quiet part out loud. But th- this was one of the big things uh, that was said by Joe Biden. Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia, for free people refused to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principle, hope and light, of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. For God's sakes, this man cannot remain in power. Meaning Putin. It's interesting. Um, we call this regime change. What's amazing about that is, uh, like, like what, what is Biden pr- proposing here? So we're going to overthrow uh, Putin and install somebody else in Russia? Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's exactly what you're hearing. I mean, it's it's been very obvious by the rhetoric for years now. Uh, that's that's always been the plan. Uh, they've got this guy, Nelvaney, who's seemingly pro-Western. You know, <coughs> uh, he'll he'll likely let them let them run their money laundering schemes within Russia. You know, who knows? Um, but they uh, they definitely want him in power, and so the easiest way to do that is to oust Putin now. You know, don't misunderstand. I can't find if if the United States doesn't like somebody, um, then they claim that their election was illegitimate. It's okay to say that elections were stolen in every other country as long as that country doesn't have a liberal or a Democrat at the head. Um, Every other country, probably an illegitimate election. Right. So the thing is, is aside from any actual evidence from just people screaming and saying that Putin's just a awful bloodthirsty dictator, nothing ever, everything he does is wrong and illegal and whatever. But let's just go by the numbers that we can as best we can. Putin has consistently had over 60% support in every election. Maybe they're stolen. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure if we're allowed to say, I think we're allowed to say it for Russia, but we're not allowed to say it for America. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure, but consistently over 60% of the vote. As far as we can tell, that's, I mean, that's an election. The people put them in for an election. Now, at the same time, in Ukraine, there were international observers in an election in 2010. And Yanukovych was elected. He was elected to be the president of Ukraine. And 
he was not pro-NATO. He was not pro-European Union. He wanted to make more deals with Russia. He was more of a pro-Russia candidate. So, of course, what did we do? Well, we supported a color revolution in Ukraine. There were massive protests and there was a coup in 2014. Now, international observers did see the election of Yanukovych, and it was legitimate according to international observers. But the United States supported a coup, and they called it democracy. I want you to understand that. A nation of people elected somebody. The majority of people elected a person to the top office in their country. The United States did not like that person and then said, Fuck what the people say. This is who we want. And they had a color revolution. And they had a coup. And they called it democracy. That's what happened in Ukraine. And then it resulted, for those of you who aren't idiots and understood where Ukraine was and any of the history behind it prior to a month ago, you would understand that Ukraine has basically been having a civil war ever since. And gosh, why would that be? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's because there's a bunch of people in Ukraine who watched their vote get stripped away from them by Western powers. Now, whether or not you like Russia or any of these other things, you don't have to like Russia. These are just the facts. The facts are, is that the West supported overthrowing a democratically elected president because they didn't like him. They didn't like him. He wasn't going to play their game. And we call that democracy. We threw this country into a civil war and called it democracy. Now, yet Zelensky, who recently got elected, and Russia starts making moves. According to what Russia says, they consider Ukraine a threat if it joins NATO and if it joins the European Union. Because according to Russia, Putin thinks that the United States and Western allies are going to attempt to have a coup in Russia to make it Western. That's not that ridiculous of a statement when it literally happened in Ukraine. Because it did happen. Everything that Putin is saying is being verified by Biden. Regardless if you like Putin or not, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that they are trying to do it. The United States absolutely has a policy that if they don't like somebody in power, regardless if they're democratically elected, regardless if they're supported by the citizenry, if you are not playing ball with the West, we will overthrow you. We will have a coup. We will 100% support any sort of uprising against you. And we will call it democracy the entire time. But that's not how that actually works. If we were legitimate, then we would let the people of Ukraine choose. But we've given them no choice. We didn't give them a choice in the color revolution. We didn't actually support democracy, which was push for a special election or something of that nature, perhaps. No. We supported the overthrow of the elected person there. Then we withheld military aid. Until they got rid of a prosecutor who was investigating the president's son. And we're going to get even further into more of that corruption. 
I didn't just play the Hunter Biden laptop stuff to bring up how much they say Russian disinfo when it's very um, bad for Democrats. Um, There's more to it. That Hunter Biden laptop rears its ugly head again. Um, But the fact remains is I understand that people get upset about this and I don't care about your whataboutery. So it's okay for Russia. I don't give a shit about what Russia did. I don't care about what Russia did. No. And it doesn't need to be okay. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that why, why in God's name are we potentially risking World War III over some corrupt backwater Eastern European country? Why? Why are we doing this? Why is our gas at astronomical levels? Why are we potentially facing a food crisis over some backwater Eastern European corrupt country that a bunch of elites play in. You are going to have trouble putting food on your table because Joe Biden doesn't want to lose his money laundering piggy bank. That's the reality of what's happening here. And some of you idiots are going along with it. Some of you idiots are, oh, Zelensky, he's just so heroic. He's so heroic. Look, man. You know what annoys me about the whole Zelensky thing? I know maybe I'm upsetting people and I'm sorry, but I just, I'm watching this happen and I I can't help. You know what annoys me about the whole Zelensky thing? Regardless, maybe he's an all right guy. I don't know. A lot of people want to tell me how heroic he is. Um, All I ever see from Zelensky is him whining at everyone about giving him money. He literally reminds me of Afghans. When we were in Afghanistan, we would be sitting there um, every Tuesday, I think it was, uh, we would have Afghan people line up and they would come and they would basically give us grievances. We called it the airing of grievances. And they would come and they would basically beg the United States for money for this, that, or the other thing. And the joke was, is that they would come up and be like, "Uh, my cows, uh, they are dying. Give me money. That was the joke that we would always make. We'd have to guard this crap and we'd have to stand there for hours in the hot sun. Well, basically, the entire village showed up and begged the United States for more and more money. That's Zelensky. Every single time I hear from Zelensky, it's give me weapons, give me planes, give me a no-fly zone, give me billions. Oh, geez, uh, I'm fighting for you. Please, God, give me more and more money. So I'm sorry that I'm not sitting here with a Zelensky poster, you know, getting so excited and talking about how heroic he is. He's like Hamid Karzai to me. He's just a guy who's like, dear United States, give me more of your tax dollars. Hooray. And no, he's not out there on the front lines, you idiots. All those pictures are from years ago, but you fell for it anyway. Propaganda shouldn't be necessary if the truth was real. You know, if the truth is truth, you don't need the propaganda. And look, don't get me wrong. The guy's country basically got rolled into because Joe Biden needed a distraction. So I'm not trying to crap all over Zelensky. I'm going to in certain aspects, but I'm not going to crap all over him because he unfortunately is as much a victim of this as the rest of us. You know, his country has a bunch of Russian tanks inside of it because Joe Biden's weak and a pussy uh, and didn't, you know, basically, basically wanted this war. I mean, let's just be honest here. Are you guys seeing any indication that Joe Biden didn't want Ukraine invaded? Look at all the mileage he's getting out of it. I mean, the only people who didn't want Russia invading Ukraine were Russia and Ukraine. Everybody else was like, yes, 
they were super excited for it. So I do legitimately feel bad for the guy, but I'm not going to sit there and call him a hero, especially when he absolutely had the chance of not allowing this to happen to his country years ago when he could have come out and revealed all of the corruption of these people. When Trump brought it up and said, look at how corrupt these people are. They've basically been milking your country. You have the power to expose this. And for whatever reason, Zelensky decided not to. Well, congratulations, Zelensky. Because of that, Joe Biden became president and he basically welcomed Russia into your country. He could have stopped it, but he didn't want to because he needs the distraction. Don't get me wrong. Joe Biden will fight to every last Ukrainian to make sure that he has a message going into the midterms and to make sure that nobody takes over that country that could possibly reveal that corruption. All of these people will fight to every last Ukrainian to make sure that they have a war to watch on TV because Netflix is just getting boring. That's how I feel about everything going on. But let me explain what I'm talking about here. So we heard about the Hunter Biden laptop, how it was all Russian disinformation until the liberal media decided that it wasn't Russian disinformation, I guess. Uh, and they verified the thing that we all knew was true, but it gets worse. This is coming from the Daily Mail because uh, we have to rely on foreign uh you know, foreign press to talk about things because, well, we're just not allowed to talk about it in the United States and our free and, you know, free democracy. Uh, there's certain things you're not allowed to talk about because you'll get banned uh, because we believe in free media, right? Exclusive. Hunter Biden did help secure millions in funding for U.S. contractor in Ukraine specializing in deadly pathogen research. Laptop emails reveal raising more questions about the disgraced son of the of then vice president. Moscow's claim that Hunter Biden helped finance U.S. military bioweapons research, a bioweapons research program in Ukraine is at least partially true, according to new emails obtained exclusively by DailyMail.com. The commander of the Russian Nuclear, Biological and Chemical Protection Forces claimed there was a scheme of interaction between U.S. government agencies and Ukrainian biological objects and pointed to the financing of such activities by structures close to the to the current U.S. leadership. In particular, the investment fund Rosemont Seneca, which is headed by Hunter Biden. Intelligence experts say the Russian military leader's allegations were a brazen propaganda ploy to justify President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine and sow discord in the U.S. Well, we've never heard intelligence experts lie, except for 50 of them saying that the Hunter Biden laptop wasn't real until now they said it was real. But emails from Hunter's abandoned laptop show he helped secure millions of dollars of funding for Metabiota a Department of Defense contractor specializing in research on pandemic-causing diseases that could be used as bioweapons. He introduced Medobiota (coughs) to an allegedly corrupt Ukrainian gas firm, Burisma, for a, quote, science project involving high biosecurity-level labs in Ukraine. And although... Metabiota, Metabiota is ostensibly a medical data company. Its vice president emailed Hunter in 2014 describing 
how they could, quote, assert Ukraine's cultural and economic independence from Russia, an unusual goal for a biotech firm. In, oh, let me, uh, there's copies of the emails here and I'll share it in the chat in a second. Emails and defense contract data reviewed by DailyMail.com suggest that Hunter had a prominent role in making sure Metabiota was able to conduct its pathogen research just a few hundred miles from the border with Russia. The project turned into a national security liability for Ukraine when Russian forces invaded the country last month. Metabiota was worked has worked in Ukraine for Black and Vitek. Vich? Sorry, Black and Vich, a U.S. defense contractor with deep ties to military intelligence agencies, which built secure labs in Ukraine that analyzed killer diseases and bioweapons. Earlier this month, U.S. officials warned Congress that, quote, Russian forces may be seeking to gain control of these biological research facilities prompting fears that a that deadly and even engineered pathogens could fall into Russian hands. Hunter and his colleagues at his investment firm Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners routinely raised millions of dollars for technology companies hoping the firms would take off and then make them all fortunes. Metabiota was one of those firms. Emails between Hunter and his colleagues excitedly discuss how the company's monitoring of medical data could become an essential tool for governments and companies looking to spot outbreaks of infectious diseases. The president's son and his colleagues invested $500,000 in Metabiota through their firm, Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners. They raised several million dollars of funding for the company from investment giants, giants, including Goldman Sachs. But emails show Hunter was particularly involved in Metabiota's operations in Ukraine. Hunter's pitches to investors claimed that they are not only organized... They are not only organized funding for the firm, they also helped... It get new customers, including government agencies in the case of Metabiota. Metabiota, sorry. He and his business partner, Eric Schwerin, even discussed subletting their office space to the firm in April 2014, their emails reveal. That month, Metabiota Vice President Mary Gutierrez wrote a memo to Hunter outlining how they could assert Ukraine's cultural and economic independence from Russia. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your intense schedule to meet with Kathy, the uh, Kathy DeMeo, who's a Metabiota executive, and I on Tuesday. We very much enjoyed the discussion, Gutierrez wrote. As promised, I've prepared an, attach- an attached memo, which provides an overview of Metabiota, our engagement in Ukraine, and how we could potentially leverage our team, networks, and concepts to assert Ukraine's cultural and economic independence from Russia can and continued integration into Western society. Former former senior CIA officer Sam Faddis, who has reviewed emails on Hunter's laptop, told DailyMail.com that the offer to help assert Ukraine's independence was odd for a biotech executive. It raises the question, what is the real purpose of this venture? It's very odd, he said. Gutierrez had a leading role in Metabiota's Ukraine operations, meeting with other company executives 
and U.S. and Ukrainian military officials in October 2016 to discuss cooperation in surveillance and prevention of especially dangerous infectious diseases, including zoonotic diseases in Ukraine and neighboring countries, according to a 2016 report by Science and Technology by the Science and Technology Center in Ukraine. At the time, Hunter was serving as a board member of Ukrainian gas firm Burisma, owned by, by former top government official and allegedly corrupt billionaire Mykolay Zlochevsky. Four days after Gutierrez's April 2014 email, Burisma executive Vladimir Pozharsky wrote to Hunter revealing that then vi- that the then vice president's son had pitched a science project involving Burisma and Metabiota in Ukraine. Please find a few initial points to be discussed on the purpose of analyzing the potential of this as you called science, U- science Ukraine project. As I understand, the Metabiota was a subcontract to principal contractor of the DOD, Black and Veach. What kind of partnership Metabiota is looking for in Ukraine? From potential non-governmental player in Kiev? Rebuilt the ties with respective ministries in Ukraine and on the basis of that reinstate the financing from Black and Veach? Or they look for a partnership in managing projects in Ukraine, PR with government institutions here, financing of the projects. In other words, they're discussing what exactly is it this company is looking for. Now, anyone else find it weird that in 2014, a prominent Democrat's son was very interested in financing of biolabs, investigating infectious diseases, when just a few years later, we had an outbreak of coronavirus that locked us down for two years. I'm not saying that there's a conspiracy. I'm just saying it's odd that a lot of these people were really interested in this years prior to it happening. It's almost like they knew. I mean, I'm not saying that there's a conspiracy. It sort of feels like they knew, right? Kind of weird. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm blackpilled. Maybe maybe I'm the crazy one. Maybe I'm the crazy one. But interesting, right? Interesting that Joe Biden has been so obsessive over Ukraine and Russia and all this other stuff. And the entire time, his son has basically been trying to influence Ukraine. And and especially all that talk. I mean, we can't ignore it, right? The Sorry, had to had to pause to sneeze. Um, but we can't we can't ignore the fact that there's been all of this obsessive interest. And just remember a couple of weeks ago, this was uh, Russian disinformation. There were no bio labs in Ukraine. What are you talking about? That's Russian disinformation. Then it came out that there were bio labs, but you know, Russia's really just trying to push it because it's disinformation. Like, guys, oh, sure, it's true, but oh, they're really blowing it out. Super strange that actually it turns out that Hunter Biden was involved in the biolabs that are in Ukraine and they all called them Russian disinformation. It seems strange that consistently Russia um, doesn't need to create any of their own disinformation. They just have to reveal Democrat corruption and that appears to be their disinformation. 
Am I the only one that caught that or or did the rest have the rest of you picked up on that pattern? You know, whether it's the Democrat emails or whether it's this, whether it's really anything appears. Um, But where it gets interesting still is let's uh, talk about how Biden is going to slur us into World War Three to protect the piggy bank that is Ukraine. So his son can apparently still make millions of dollars through corrupt you know, money laundering schemes. Uh, this is what Joe Biden slurred at the 82nd Airborne when he met with them in Poland. The Ukrainian people, Ukrainian people have a lot of backbone. They have a lot of guts. And I'm sure you're observing it. And I don't mean just the military, which is we've been trained in since back when they, uh, Russia moved into uh, in, in the southeast, southeast um, Ukraine but also the average citizen. Look at how they're stepping up. Look at how they're stepping up. And you're going to see when you're there, some of you have been there, you're going to see, you're going to see women, young people standing standing in the middle of front of a damn tank. He's telling the 82nd Airborne, man, these, uh, these Ukrainians, they, they have a hell of a backbone. They're fighting real hard for me to make sure that Hunter can still make millions of dollars and get away with it. Uh, they're, they're fighting their ass off for uh, our corrupt money laundering schemes here. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's so heartening to watch them all die for my son to make sure he can still make millions of dollars, even though he's a crazy, insane crackhead. Uh, it's just so great. And don't worry. You'll all see it too, because I'm going to send you out there to die for my money laundering too. That's how that felt. What the hell is that? The 82nd Airborne, what do you mean you're going to see it? Are we sending the 82nd into Ukraine? Have we decided that uh, they're not getting enough mileage out of this? That we uh, legitimately do have to start World War III? Is that what I'm gathering there? Now, according to uh, what what Colleen has to say here is they uh, should have invested, uh, they should have had uh, Hunter go into the chemical chemical weapons field because he has a background in chemicals. Uh, that in Parmesan cheese. Um, yeah, so uh, is that what I'm supposed to gather here? Is, uh, you know, they're running out of Ukrainians to kill uh, for their money laundering schemes, so they need to send in Americans to do it. Um, I'm, I'm reminded because, you know, Tucker Carlson had an entire, uh, he's been talking a lot about this, obviously, and one of the big things he, he wants to talk about is that the U- United States shouldn't be involved in this. This is not the U.S.'s war. This isn't something that we need to be facing U.S. blood and tre- or sorry, uh, we shouldn't be spending U.S. blood and treasure on. Um, he's 100% said, I'm not, you know, this is not a concern for us. Uh, we're, we're not the world police. This is not how we need to operate. These forever wars are ridiculous. And uh, crying Adam Kinzinger decided to rush out and let everyone uh, know uh, that uh, because the, the exact quote from Tucker was, you know, call me when they're invading Arkansas, you know, meaning we should be defending our own homeland. That's our concern. We shouldn't be going out and fighting random wars for backwater Eastern European corrupt ass countries that, you know, liberals are just using for piggy banks and money laundering for their kids. Um, and so, of course, you know, uh, Adam crying Adam Kinzinger, who constantly wants to play tough guy on Twitter and talk about how he was a, you know, a veteran, which, yes, he was. And I'm not I'm not denigrating that. I, too, am a veteran. 
I mean, he flew a fuel tanker. I'm not saying that fuel tankers aren't necessary, and I'm not saying the pilots aren't pilots aren't necessary, but it's a little bit different. Adam Kinzinger likes to present himself as if he was on the front lines, you know, infantrymen, you know, no shit there I was, waist deep in grenades, not a pin in sight, when in reality he was staying at a cozy air base and flying a fueling tanker. So, and for those of you who want to bring up that he did, in fact, fly an intelligence aircraft, he did that in South America. The intelligence aircraft specifically that Adam Kinzinger flew, uh, he only belonged, uh, that, that particular aircraft exactly um, was in the arsenal of the Texas National Guard, uh, which flew in South America. So he did not fly an intelligence aircraft. He flew a fueling tanker. Nothing against guys who flew fueling tankers. Nothing against pilots. It's just when Adam Kinzinger sits there and acts like he was no shit there I was front of the lines, you know, fighting uh, in hand to hand combat against uh, the Taliban. I'm such a freaking hero. Let's just be a little bit more accurate. I mean, at least I can say that I was an intel weenie, right? Point is, um, crying Adam Kinzinger, who wants to always talk about how tough he is because he was a vet, did not offer to go fight in Ukraine. Instead, he said, uh, we don't need you, Tucker. There's plenty of brave men and women, even in Arkansas. Oh, good. So crying Adam Kinzinger is letting everyone know that Tucker Carlson doesn't need to go fight in Ukraine. Adam Kinzinger will just send all of your children to go do it for him. I mean, the guy's not running for Congress any, uh, again because he'd get embarrassed at how bad he'd lose. So he's going to have plenty of time. He could just leave Congress now and go, you know, put on his tough guy pants and go fight in Ukraine. I mean, I'm not going to because uh, I'm not going to go die for the Democrats piggy bank corrupt country. So, but maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm being mean. I don't know. Um, I don't mean to sound so bitter. I, I just really want to give people kind of an encapsulation of, you know, what's what's going on and, and what I'm seeing. So, but we do need to shift gears a little bit because there is some interesting stuff that's also coming out. For those of you who don't know, the um, we talked about it a little bit last week, but the Governor Whitmer kidnapping case has actually um, been ongoing. And so there's some very interesting stuff that's been coming out of it. Once again, we rely on Julie Kelly, who's been a phenomenal reporter, not just on what's going on with the Whitmer situation, but additionally, uh, she's been doing a lot of stellar reporting on the uh, political prisoners from January 6th, uh, who, if they were in Ukraine, would be called heroes of democracy. Uh, But then again, they would have to be working on behalf of uh, the liberal globalist regime. So uh, overthrowing governments is fine in every other country but the United States. Also stealing elections is fine in every other government, you know, including the United States. It's not okay to steal elections unless you're the United States. It's only okay to overthrow elections outside of the United States. You guys get the idea. But let's take a look here. Well, actually, real quick, we have a comment here from HDX Soldier. What's he have? Uh, They just view the middle of the country as a recruiting center for the globalist wars for personal gain. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, right? Pretty much. Um, And I I thought, actually, I'll just be honest with you guys since it's just me. I I considered taking up the story about the uh, Army's physical fitness test, but um, I decided against it for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, 
and maybe I'm confused. But one, it sounded like they were actually just going back to their old standards, and in reality, they were abandoning uh, the standards that they claimed that they were going to have where they were going to be neutral, and obviously that wasn't going to work out. Um, But I'm not entirely sure. But uh, what I did read were headlines saying that the U.S. Army uh, was lowering standards for females and older soldiers. What I'm not sure of, uh, because I've been out for quite a while, is if that means that they were going back to the original standards that they had or if the Army was actually lowering their standards even more uh, because their recruitment was so bad. Uh, So, yeah, they're abandoning the neutrality. I don't disagree with that. Like, I don't disagree with abandoning neutrality because it was never going to work. I didn't agree with it when I was in the army. There are inherent differences between men and women. And I think recognizing that is just recognizing actual biology. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily against that. You know, uh, the the fact of the matter is is that there are absolute there's females in the military and they serve you know they have jobs that they can serve they can serve just fine there are some things that they can't do and i don't mean that to be mean it's just i will tell you i carried a 90 pound rucksack 90 pounds with all of my equipment cross loaded water batteries all of it was 90 pounds Now, for me, that was a little less than half my body weight. For the females I knew, that was 20 pounds lighter than them. (laughs) 30 pounds lighter than them. And I don't particularly want to watch, you know, somebody have their, you know, shins shatter off for equality. I think that's ridiculous. But it, it doesn't... I think it's fine. The idea of neutrality was ridiculous because it wasn't ever going to work and we all knew it. Um, And I imagine that part of the reason why they're backtracking on this is because a bunch of female soldiers were failing. Because of course they were. Women's bodies are different. I don't understand why this is such a hard concept. I really don't. I just, for the life of me, I just, I don't. So, (laughs) yeah. They they needed a neutral standard because of trainees. Yeah, that's exactly it. Once again, see, actually, you know, like I said, I wasn't going to talk about this. And here I am talking about it. Um, You know, that's that's what's so funny is once again, like, let, let's look at what the story really is. The United States Army has to go back to its old standards. They have to abandon the physical fitness standards that they had that they likely created because of the whole transgender. We're going to let everybody in. We're, we're you know, we're, we're OK with them not having a. um uh, we're, we're okay with them having mental health issues. Um, there was a massive failure rate among females. So once again, transgenders were dramatically harming women every single time. So the joke that I made on Twitter about this was, can a man claim that he's a fe- can Can a male soldier claim he's a female to avoid a chapter for physical fitness standards. 
Because for those of you who aren't in the military and don't understand, you fail your PT test, you then get put on remediation. So you do special population PT, where a lot of times you do PT twice a day. And it's monitored by, monitored by a non-commissioned officer, you know, to ensure that you're working out to try to meet that standard. If you fail it again, you can start being moved forward to be chaptered out of the United States Army. If you cannot pass your physical fitness test, you can actually be removed from the Army. You can be discharged. Well, can you just say, I'm a female now? And then meet the lower standard. I'm not saying that I agree with that. I think that's a terrible idea. And I don't disagree with the differing standards for men and women. I absolutely do not. I think it's necessary and I think it's based in science. Now, if there is something that needs to be updated, and I will say this as having been a platoon sergeant, um, having administrated uh, you know, several soldiers and not as a non-commissioned officer, if there's one thing that we need to do a massive study on, it is the weight standards for women in the army. Because <laughs> they are bananas. If you look at how we conduct weight standards for women in the army, it is absolutely bananas. Women literally destroy their bodies to try to meet the measurement, um, height, and weight standards of the United States Army that I'm pretty sure haven't been updated since like the 1950s. It is absolutely insane. So if there's something that the army needs to look at when it comes to physical standards, it is the way that they measure female soldiers because it is so ungodly, um, irrational. Yeah. As, as, as Colleen states fasting for the eighth day now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bananas. I mean, I, I had, I had some, I had some females in my platoon that were monsters at PT, just monsters at PT, phenomenal. And were consistently within 1%, 2% of, of failing height and weight. Perfectly good health, perfectly good health. They could ruck, they could run pushups, setups, uh, you know, they could, uh, conduct a mount course, Rifle in hand, gear on their back, do perfectly fine, absolutely meet those standards. And the army said, you're too fat because, you know, <laughs> because they're five foot three. <laughs> so, um, you know, and yeah, that's that's the other thing is, that, you know, males, there were absolutely situations where males could. I was lucky. I will, I will say this much. I got spoiled because I was the exact height of every single soldier in World War Two. I was five foot ten. When I joined the army. So I fit the exact height of basically everybody in World War II. Uh, so the standards were written for me. And as Colleen says, because of boobs, uh, because <laughs> the, the army didn't fathom that, uh, because they do, they measure your bust. And so if you've got a, if you have what people would consider a, a decent lung capacity, you're going to have some problems. Anyway, that's my opinion on the whole uh, army physical fitness test. Hopefully I didn't distract everybody on it. Um, it's hard, right? I don't like, I don't want to say I don't like talking about it. It's just, um, I, I love the United States army. You know, I was a soldier, loved being a soldier, loved being a non-commissioned officer. It was a great time. Uh, it, 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 it sucks watching an institution, um, that I really took a lot of pride in. Um, you know, I, I, I take a lot of pride in the people who, I don't like bashing on the army too much because there's so many good people who serve within it. And it's hard because those lines get great a lot. It's very difficult. And, you know, 
it sucks because ultimately if I sit here and I just trash the United States Army or the military in general and just trash on it constantly on this program, there's a lot of soldiers who listen to this program, a lot of sailors, airmen, Marines, you know, if I just trash on it, the military, the entire time, at what point am I just saying, why are you still in it? Why are you still in it? And so much of that, you know, it's one of the biggest problems that we run into in, in having a lot of these debates is, can you imagine just to kind of, you know, do a comparison here? Can you imagine being a conservative? That's a teacher. How do you tell people that you're a teacher? If you're a conservative, because everyone's like, you should quit your job. You should quit your job. How could you be part of this? Oh my God, you should quit your job. How could you be part of this? And everyone just acts like that's such an easy thing to do. And I understand it. But honestly, it, it, it annoys me. It annoys and it frustrates me. I 100% guarantee. And we saw it a lot. We, we saw it with vaccine mandates. A lot of people just, just quit your job. Just quit your job. Because that's easy, right? It's easy to just give up something you've worked for for decades, maybe. Yeah, you should just, you just quit your job. It's pretty easy for a lot of people to say that easy for them when they don't have to have that same risk. Sorry, I don't, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole on that because absolutely infuriating, very easy for a lot of people to say, not so easy for a lot of people to do. And also, um, you know, unfortunately it's very consistent of exactly how we've gotten to the position that we're in. The conservative answer for everything has been run. Oh, schools are screwing up your kids. You should homeschool. Well, I, like, let's not fix the schools. Let's let them continue to become these paragons of liberal insanity. You should just homeschool. Yeah, just take your kids out. We're not going to fix the schools. That's hard. You should just homeschool. You should run. Oh, the military is becoming super woke. It's super woke, all of you non-commissioned officers. Super woke military. You should leave. You should leave the super woke. Mil- We're not going to fix it. We're going to keep the military being super woke because all the good people should just leave. Yeah. Like Colleen said, you can't win the war if you leave the battlefield. Yeah. What's going to happen? What, what happens when we have a good non-commissioned officer who sat through all of this lunacy that becomes the Sergeant major of the army? It's probably a good thing. What's going to happen to the first Lieutenant who just watched a bunch of their, you know, maybe, maybe class members who left left the army because they didn't want to take a vaccine and they ended up getting discharged. What happens when that person becomes the army chief of staff? These can be good things. You know what doesn't influence change? Fucking running. Which has always been the conservative answer for decades. Both schools are trash. Leave. Private school, homeschool, leave. It's not going to solve anything. So, yeah, part of the problem, too, is if you don't leave, they'll kick you out. Well, make them work for it. That's the other thing, too. Make them work for it. Make them do the paperwork. I hope they get carpal tunnel and they have to, <laughs> they have to leave, too. Sorry, I don't, I don't mean to laugh about something about somebody getting kicked out. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I... I I will say I, I can't make any sort of guarantees. I I know that there are people that are working right now on, on a lot of different legal avenues uh, for recompense for what is occurring in our armed forces with regards to people who, I mean, I, I, I personally know somebody 17 years in 
18 years in now, uh, that's going to lose everything. Because she's not, she can't. She cannot get the vaccine. She cannot get it. And it doesn't matter. So uh, 17 years, that's it. But I do know that this, you know, it's not going to end here. Hopefully, I, I don't know what the future holds, but hopefully there will be a reckoning. Hopefully there will be lawsuits. It's not going to, probably not going to get you back in the service. But, you know, I would say that a lot of these discharges could be changed. And to be completely honest, I think that if you had enough years or you were damn close, I think that the Department of Defense should be forced absolutely to pay out a full 20-year retirement. I don't care if you had 15 years in, you should get paid a full 20-year retirement because they are the reason you left and it was all political. There was no reason other than politics. But we might get into that when more information comes out. Let's move on to this uh, situation when we talk about the uh, FBI's kidnapping plot. Um, Like I said, this comes from Julie Kelly. She's done some wonderful stuff. Good follow on Twitter if you guys are still on Twitter. Uh, Let's take a look at what she has to say. Um, Let's uh, real quick. I want to take a look. Okay. I got sent a tweet by Alan. And so I wasn't sure what it might be. All right. In, in the spring of 2020 or so, the government's story goes an Iraq war veteran named Dan Chappell was scouring social media to find like-minded libertarians devoted to the second amendment. When algorithms prompted him to a Facebook group called the Wolverine Watchmen, an online militia group formed just a few just a few months earlier chapel reportedly became alarmed at violent anti-law enforcement rhetoric posted by some members of the watchman so he notified police well come on snitches get stitches am i right um sorry we'll go on <coughs> in uh, uh oh so he notified police two weeks later Chapel, under the code name Big Dan, became the lead FBI informant in a wild plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, an act of domestic terror, according to the Justice Department. Four of the six men originally charged are now on trial in a Grand Rapids courtroom facing federal conspiracy to kidnap and weapons of mass destruction charges. The other two pleaded guilty and are testifying for the prosecution this week. But defense attorneys argue the FBI entrapped the men by using at least a dozen FBI confidential human sources, including Chapel and, and undercover FBI agents over the course of several months to concoct the plan. During two days of testimony this week, Chapel struggled to maintain the government's case while revealing what might be the most egregious example of FBI entrapment in decades. Chappell was paid more than $60,000 by the FBI for less than seven months of work. Part of his compensation included a $3,300 laptop, a smartwatch, and reimbursement for taking a loss after selling his Eastern Michigan home that year. And far from acting as a conduit between the alleged militia group and the FBI, the Bureau's alleged reason for hiring informants, Chapel methodically coalesced a random group of misfits 
angered by COVID-19 lockdowns and Black Lives Matter riots to form the gang of would-be kidnappers. The burly Iraq War vet, working for the U.S. Postal Service at the time, along with multiple FBI assets, ingratiated themselves, one defense attorney said, into the lives of seemingly isolated, destitute men. Some of the defendants referred to Chapel as dad, and as he used his age and military experience to assume a father-like persona. Caleb Franks, one of the original defendants who pleaded guilty to, to kidnapping, told the jury Thursday that he wanted to be killed by police in a shootout because, quote, a large portion of my family had died and he was, quote, struggling financially and just wasn't happy. Chapel also took on another fake identity, a leader of the Wolverine Watchmen. Leveraging his imaginary leadership role for the, Wolf, for the Watchmen, Chapel acted as the glue, in his words, to unite the men. During two days of testimony this week, Chapel admitted he created group chats, including one named FAFO, the acronym for Fuck Around and Find Out, on the encrypted app WIRE and invited the defendants to join. Chapel immediately gave the FBI direct access to the chats while deluging, to, but while de, deluging, that feels like the wrong word. I'm so sorry to his target, his targets, deluging. There we go. My gosh, deluging his targets with daily texts, calls, Texts and calls. Nearly 1,000 texts were exchanged over a three-month period between Chapel and Adam Fox, the alleged brains behind the kidnapping plot who lived alone in what one witness described as a dark, dirty cellar of a vacuum repair shop in, Grand, in a Grand Rapids strip mall with no running water, sink, or toilet. With promises of free food and beer at, nearby, at a nearby Buffalo Wild Wings, all paid for by the FBI, Chapel often enticed the defendants to meeting sites, training camps, and surveillance trips and surveillance trips attended and occasionally hosted by multiple FBI informants and undercover agents. The FBI also paid for rented vehicles, gas, hotel rooms, and other related expenses to make sure the defendants could attend. Participants were usually drunk or stoned. During one event, Chapel admitted that he drank six double jacks and cokes. To make, to make it look like he was going along with the group. Every excursion and conversation was recorded, then passed to the FBI. Look at you bringing people together, Chapel's FBI handler quipped in one text. Chapel's group, however, started to splinter by late summer. So he asked the FBI how to apply more pressure to prevent anyone from bailing on the still undefined crime in progress. An FBI agent said, separately directed a woman named Jenny, another FBI informant portrayed as the leader, uh, as the leader of a Tennessee militia to stop the group from kicking out Barry Croft, one of the more vocal members who had been under FBI surveillance since 2019 for allegedly making anti-government comments on social media, remind them of all his good ideas. FBI special agent, Christopher Long advised Jenny. It worked. But Chapel and the FBI had a bigger problem by August 2020. There was still no concrete plan to kidnap Whitmer, he told the jury this week. 
and time was running out for the FBI, which clearly wanted to publicize the caper before election day. So the agency accelerated its effort by introducing another undercover FBI agent by the name of Red to act as an explosives expert who could help the men build a device to blow up a bridge near Whitmer's cottage in upstate Michigan. At a training exercise on a weekend in September 2020, Red brought a video of how to make explosives and showed it to the group. The video had been produced by the FBI. In the end, for all the smoke and mirrors, all the fake identities and phony friendships, the best the FBI could do was concoct an outlandish plan that even the most sophisticated criminals couldn't pull off, let alone a ragtag collection of broke and broken men with no resources. Chapel explained to the jury that the scheme involved either stealing or borrowing two boats, anchoring them on the shore of Lake Michigan, driving to Whitner's remote vacation home, (coughs) killing her security detail, abducting Whitmer, placing her in one boat with the defendants in the second boat, and either leaving her in the middle of Lake Michigan or taking her all the way across the lake to Wisconsin, where she would stand trial for her anti-lockdown crimes. Setting aside the ferociousness of Lake Michigan in October, which is one which on its own made the plot totally inconceivable, none of the men involved was capable of executing such a violent, elaborate plan. Further, the FBI installed cameras and other surveillance devices at some point around Whitmer's property, so she was never in any legitimate danger, raising the question as to why the cameras were installed before the men were arrested. Were they installed to protect her or to collect evidence of the defendants scoping out the property during a reconnaissance trip organized by Chapel and other FBI assets? In other words, as you see, these people made the entire plan. The FBI was the reason why they learned how to make explosives. The FBI was responsible for training them in weapons. The FBI was responsible for getting them all together. Basically, what happened here is there was a group of people that were pissed off at the government, that were pissed off at Whitmer, that were challenging the elites, let's just be honest, that were challenging COVID. And the FBI said, okay, well... Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a bunch of informants in. I mean, that's a lot of informants, right? You're hearing a lot of different undercover agents, informants, all sorts of stuff, right? We're going to put them in these groups. And then we're going to get them to start talking about overthrowing aspects of the government. And when people start to get weirded out by it, we're going to convince everybody it's okay. We're going to add more people to the mix. The only people who ever planned on doing anything violent against the government and the only people who were ever capable of doing anything actually violent against the government was the FBI. Without the FBI's involvement, let's just be honest, this would have been 100% Just a bunch of dudes bitching on the internet. And it is very strange when it is brought up that 
by August, they were upset that nothing had coalesced. That's three months. Why was the FBI so resolved in wanting to make sure that they were able to roll this up in August? I don't think it's insane to say because that was getting, it was getting too close to November. They needed to have a group of people that were going to try to do something violent that they could claim was right wing. Once again, the Federal Bureau of Investigation was meddling in an election. I mean, they used to call it a conspiracy when people would talk about the deep state. But here we are. The FBI was 100% intent on meddling in the election. Joe Biden absolutely had to be elected. Joe Biden needed to be the president of the United States. Come hell or high water. Didn't matter if the FBI had to fake it. So now tell me September or September, January 6th. We know that there were agents in there. How much of this was the FBI? I think it's very obvious. They absolutely had to have been. There's no doubt in my mind that this was planned by the FBI. And I don't even think it was that bad. It was a terrible plan because who, who gives a shit? Some guys walked around the Capitol. I don't need it to be a plan to justify it. I'm not some whiny, you know, craphead, uh, never Trumper who gets all upset over people protesting. I'm not one of those whiny conservatives that's oh, well, I don't agree with boycotts. I don't want to lose with grace. I want to win with power. But the fact is, is that the FBI is actively working on behalf of one political party and they will put you in jail. You need to know. This is absolutely how it works. And just look at everything that's going on. We see this. We see this story. Tell me with the fact that the FBI was staging all of this. With the fact that um, we're watching everything that's going on in Ukraine right now. And that Joe Biden has basically said that victory in Ukraine is going to be the overthrow of Putin in Russia. Regime change. After watching them conduct regime change within Ukraine in 2014, you tell me that these people wouldn't steal an election locally. And validate it. Morally validate it by saying that they're saving democracy. I'm not the crazy person here. When I say this, I'm telling you, that's something that we have to look at. I think it's becoming more and more obvious that these people um, absolutely would overthrow or absolutely would uh, uh, stage would, would steal an election. Now, for fun, let's hear a little bit from Ron Paul uh, because he's very upset over the sanctions that are occurring and causing food shortages. So let's hear from Ron Paul real quick. Maybe. Hello, everyone. 
everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Chris Rosini, our co-host. Chris, welcome to the program. It's great to be with you, Dr. Paul. Very good. Uh, you know, uh, we had our president out talking again. Uh, it, you know, things are different now that he's the president. When he was running for president, he, he was not seen very much. But he gives more talks, and they're all spontaneous, and they're all, no, I mean, they are all prepared for him. And sometimes <laughs> he struggles with them. But otherwise, uh, he, he, he gets by. But he's been giving more speeches on it because he's uh, visiting G20 right now, and uh, they're trying to kick uh, Russia out today and, and think that he should, they shouldn't belong. And, you know, uh, real good, great diplomats. Uh, you know, the world has going to come to an end on all the problems. It used to be COVID. COVID's over and done with. Everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. But now it's, uh, it's Putin. We've got to get rid of Putin. And uh, that's why 99% of the regular media is pounding on him and get rid of him. And even we have a congressman advising what is really necessary is to go out and assassinate him. So uh, it's, it's getting, getting pretty nasty. But that's what you should expect when a country is morally and financially bankrupt and uh, everybody's involved and nobody's admitting the truth because they still say the solution to what's happening today is the people need more money and then they could pay their bills and everybody would be happy. But uh, there's something that has come up that started actually before, even before COVID, prices started going up and there started to be some shortages. But the shortages have uh, grown tremendously uh, in the last several months. It has to do with, uh, you know, a lot of things, sanctions, uh, the wars that are going on, uh, the collapse of the uh, banking system uh, due to the Federal Reserve policy, and the uh, crunch is on its way, it is starting, and prices are high because they print too much money, and they won't recognize that. They have to find, you know, other excuses. But Biden was asking the other day, and the subject came up about food shortages. And, you know, uh, I would think even in his situation, it might have been just wisely, yeah, it could, could happen, but we can do something. And if we do the right things, we can help out. And there, there is a solution to it. Uh, that wasn't it. Uh, he sort of was pretty blunt. He says, uh, it says food shortages are going to be real. It's a real story. He, People better be prepared. Sacrifice your liberty because we have to help the world. We have to take care of the people in Ukraine. Prepare. So, uh... I absolutely had to play some Ron Paul because just the fact that Ron Paul has been calling this for so long. Um, yeah, it's just... Uh, it's something I have to point out. I want to take a look at this video. I don't know exactly what it is, but I, I want to see if I'm going to play it real quick. Cause I'm scrolling Twitter like an irresponsible person, but I want to see what this is. Let's see. <laughs> so, anyway, we became friends. I'm not sure what's going on here. 
don't know. It was something weird. Um, there's a bunch of soldiers sitting around Biden, and that's what we were hearing. I was trying to see um, what was going on in the video, uh, but so it's kind of it's one of those things that there's a lot of stuff that people um there's a lot of people that are pointing out like how upset a lot of these soldiers look um so i don't know i'm not sure what it's supposed to be but uh so oh okay whatever supposedly people are saying that you know it's just mostly that the soldiers are just kind of like listening to Biden talk and all kind of making looks and eyes and whatever, but we're not going to jump into that. It's just one of those weird, one of those weird things. I thought it was going to be one of those fun breaking things where he says something just, of course, super dumb. Um, but I don't know. So, um, so I don't know. One of the other weird things, I guess it'll be the kind of final thing that we'll have to jump into, which was absolutely horrifying, was we talked about Katanji uh, Brown Jackson and what I didn't get into and the, the part that I actually kind of um, for, forgot about while we were diving into some of this is uh, let's point out that. So not only did we talk about the fact that she gave three months to um, somebody who's distributing child porn, um, but the Washington Post decided that they were going to run a puff piece for the guy that she gave three months to. Um, so his name is Wesley Hawkins. And there was a Washington Post article. Wesley Hawkins, talk of the Jackson hearings, describes life after pornography sentence. Notice they say pornography. They don't say child pornography. It was child pornography. It wasn't a pornography sentence. It was possession and distribution of child pornography child pornography wesley hawkins heard a few weeks ago that a black woman had been nominated to the supreme court and wondered why her name katanji brown jackson sounded so familiar then he saw her picture and knew jackson was the judge who had sentenced him for possession of child pornography nine years earlier when he was a teenager hawkins now 27 gave the matter little additional thought but in recent days, unbeknownst to him, Hawkins, Hawkins's 2013 sentencing became central to a partisan battle over confirming Jackson to the high court. Looking for full-time employment, Hawkins this week repeatedly crisscrossed a neighborhood in view of the U.S. Capitol in his hunt, unaware that inside members of Congress were talking at length about him and his case in nationally televised hearings. In an interview Thursday, at a relative's home in the district, Hawkins was in disbelief. My case? He asked the Washington Post reporter. They're talking about my case? Soon he was watching YouTube clips, his mouth agape. After his release, Hawkins said he worked for a few years in retail before being laid off. He has since gotten gotten by on temporary jobs. He also has completed a number of training programs, including certification as an IT worker. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Um, Senate Republicans mentioned Hawkins name more than 30 times over three days to try to paint Jackson as a dangerous, as dangerously soft on crime during her nearly 10 years on the federal bench. 
Republicans dwelled on how Jackson, 51, repeatedly handed down sentences below federal guidelines for child pornography convictions, even though that is the norm in seven of the 10 cases nationally, according to statistics from the U.S. Sentencing. Oh, so everybody's soft on child porn. So I guess it's okay. Or, or maybe we just fix that part. I don't, sorry. Republicans argued that in Hawkins' case, they had found a particularly egregious example. Jackson imposed a sentence of three months for Hawkins plea of guilty to a felony offense. You can't get more or you can get more than that almost for a speeding ticket, said uh, Senator Ted Cruz. Taking in the sparring in the taking in the sparring in the YouTube cuts, Hawkins wide frame hunched forward and he balled up his hands in front of his white T-shirt. Over two hours, he appeared to cycle through shock, anger, and frustration, and finally calm. If someone heard my name in that confirmation process, or just saw it online because they were looking on the sex offender registry and want to call me a monster, I understand. I don't blame them for that, and to to an extent, I agree with them, because what I did was a bit monstrous, Hawkins said, referring to his actions that led to his conviction. When I got to a place that I could think about what I had done retrospectively, retrospectively, I was disgusted. And if someone else wants to continue to see me that way, I can't stop them. But what I hope is that when people look over time, they can see he was just a young man that he'd grown and learned from his actions. They're doing a puff piece on a child pornographer to defend... Biden's judicial nominee. That's what's happening. Now, I guess this will be basically my final thought for the program. This is where conservatives fail in the information landscape that we're always going to see liberals succeed. What conservatives should be doing, not only bringing up the entire fact that she was super light on a uh, convicted sex offender, but she what they need to be doing is doing these exact interviews for the victims find the victims and the families of these kids interview them have them talk about their trauma and what's happening with them i don't care how hard it is for a guy who was sitting there I, I I don't care how bad a guy who had child pornography feels about having his name brought up and having his case brought up I, I don't I don't feel bad for him but the Washington Post thinks you should the Washington Post thinks you should sympathize with somebody who shared sexual images and by the way these aren't just pictures These were videos. These children were molested. That's that's what was happening. These children were sexually assaulted. They were raped and they were molested. I don't feel bad for this guy because Republicans are bringing up the fact that she was easy on him. And according to the Washington Post, he's really the victim here because these big mean Republicans are bringing it up. But where Republicans fail is they need to be having these kids on who talk about the trauma that happened. Talk about what it felt like to know that somebody only got three months after partaking and sharing 
videos of your assault and your rape. Maybe talk about that. Actual sexual assault occurred. And Kentanji Brown Jackson was soft on it. But we were supposed to believe a fake sexual assault from Christine Blasey Ford. And that's why the that's why it always feels like Republicans don't win is because that's exactly how the left's going to work. They're going to sit there and say, isn't it awful how they're treating her? Oh, my God, I can't believe how they're treating her. It's so insane how she's being treated. Aren't Republicans so super mean? And they'll never, ever bring up what they did to Brett Kavanaugh. And they don't care. And they'll continue to not care. And Republicans are going to sit there and scream and say, what about Brett Kavanaugh? While all the Democrats laugh and say, yeah, we don't give a shit. It's different for us. Haven't you figured that out yet, you idiots? Either you're going to have to fight back or you're going to lose. And that's the problem. So many Republicans going into this stupid ass hearing said, we're going to be civil. It's not going to be like what happened to Kavanaugh. (laughs) They, They don't care. Do you think the liberals are going to turn around and go, geez, you know, the Republicans are just so nice and so civil. I guess I'm going to stop trying to gain ultimate and total power and uh, destroy them uh, because they're just so nice. That's never going to happen. They hate you and they want you dead. You need to figure that out, Republicans. It's time to start fighting the battle that's actually happening and not fighting the battle you wish was occurring. That's the reality of it. Now, don't worry. Uh, We might be having some more information coming on next week. Hopefully, uh, we're going to start grabbing some guests if we can, because let's be honest, it's tiring to have me just talk. But if you guys want to support this program, be sure to go over to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry about that. Go over to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio. And for $2.99 a month, you can help sponsor this program. Let us know what you guys thought of the show in the comments section. And as always, like this podcast and push it out to your friends. I'm Aaron from the East Coast, and I'm keeping an eye on the left.